Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. And welcome into this special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, the People Buy From People series. I'm your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you for joining us again today. One of the most authentic people I know and a, a guy that has become a really, really good friend and endorsed People Buy From People is this guy I'm talking to here. He is the president of SEO National. He is a member of the Forbes Business Council, a LinkedIn rock star. Um, shall I go on or should I just shut up and introduce my buddy, Damon Burton, who joins me today? How you doing, DB? No, stroke the ego a little more. Give, give it a little more. Why? Well, <laughs> there's only so much we could do here to, to, to incorporate your awesomeness into, uh, into no, this I, thing. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. It's been fun, um, you know, chatting. I, I get on and, and I do my fair share of podcasts and networking, and but it's always it's always fun equally, you know, to to meet somebody like you and and behind the scenes, you and I have become pretty good virtual friends and, and chat pretty consistently because that's the thing that I like about relationships is when you find those authentic people. Well, again, the the reason that that you when I was going through the chapters and, and reaching out to people to do these podcasts you just embodied authentic because you're, you're one of the most authentic connectors. And I know your posts are really authentic and things like that. What drives you to continue to be authentic? The first answer that comes to mind is probably the opposite is that I don't want to uh, keep up the balancing act of being fake. <laughs> It's like, it's like, it's like the people that tell the lies all the time. Like eventually it's going to catch up to you. I don't want to keep track of all those things. Uh, you know, there's just a peace of mind that comes with just being yourself. And I think all of us kind of strive for that. But when you actually kind of find your rhythm and how you can present yourself online, that's true to who you are and accomplish something with it, which, you know, we can talk about maybe next, um, you know, there's no reason not to just just say things the way they are and be the person that you are. And, and maybe that segue into that other topic about the benefits you get from it is when you are more transparent, th there's such a load taken off, but then as we maybe further talk about business in this conversation, it becomes monetizable. Like you find ways to create and grow relationships and that grows your business. And so I don't go out with the intention of monetizing relationships, but it just comes with the territory of you being able to actually create relationships and skip all the sales crap. Well, and that's what I, you know, that's why I wrote in the book, people by authenticity is because, you know, when I learned what I learned pretty quickly in my sales career was that people didn't want to buy fake. They didn't want to buy, um, and my, and, and I, and I've joked with people and I said, well, my initials are BS. You put two and two together, <laughs> but you know, in, in re in reality, what I learned early in my sales career was the most genuine people were the people that people wanted to buy from. And I replaced guys in a sales territory that were pretty authentic guys. And the customers were just used to that level of always dealing with authentic people. 
in their relationship. And I call on restaurants. So I would call on restaurants. I called on restaurants in, in these small towns in southeastern Ohio and, and western West Virginia. And that's what they wanted. They wanted somebody that really understood them, that really mm-hmm. knew what they were all about and, and things like that. And so I, I kind of learned that pretty quickly. What was that aha moment for you like in business where you, where you were like, this is really the way to go with my business? Uh, I could probably answer it two ways. One is that um, that's kind of the all, that's kind of always the way that I was, but I wasn't intentional about it. So in, in one respect, it wasn't like a thing I had to change. But what I did realize is I could be intentional about it. So I've always been very morally driven. I've, I've always been you know, not a huge fan of the sales for sales discussion. Of course you have to go through the sales discussion, but I, I didn't like the car salesman approach where it was just like a numbers game. Um, so where I guess you'd say the aha moment came was about just over two years ago. So let's see, that would have been about November, 2019. I remember it was November. Um, so if I take off about two years, that'd be about 2019. That's the time we're recording this. And what had happened was- better than, You're much better at, at on the fly math than I am. I struggle with math and spelling if I have to do it on the fly. You, you know why I'm good at it is because I will gracefully dodge it if I'm not confident in the answer. <laughs> like that one, I was pretty confident in. If it was anything else, uh, it would have been something like, well, you know, if you take the 10,000 minus the 4,300, then you're going to be somewhere around a couple thousand. <laughs> and then I'll just generalize it's like it. Like <laughs> grownups too. He's like, mom, dad, 10 plus 10 is 47. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. No, see, I'll avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't give a definitive answer, but I just won't give the perfect answer. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, the November, 2019, um, you know, was that, did you just come to that crossroads or did that moment? Because the, the reason I asked you that question is there's a lot of people that have that defining moment of I could go here or I could go there. And it sounds to me like you really had that, that kind of defining moment of, of really figuring out the authentic side of your business. No, no opposite. Um, so what had happened was I just, the whole social media thing was exhausting. I never fully embraced it. Well, you know, now I do, but at the time up until then I hadn't. And so what had happened, the crossroads I came to was why am I spending time doing this? Why am I posting on Facebook? Why am I, you know, I, I largely did not use LinkedIn, which now is, is my bread and butter. But back then it was like, I was probably like the majority of the listeners that are still around today is it was just a resume that gathered dust on it. And I don't, I don't even know why I had it on there to begin with, because, you know, I, by that point I'd been self-employed for 12 or 13 years. So I don't know. I had a profile every once in a while I'd get on there and I just like make a random post and I'd get like, you know, two views and no engagement. And, and so then I just thought like, I'm, I'm, I'm really half-assing this. Like I don't have a strategy. I don't know what I'm doing. So why do it at all? And then on the other side was Facebook. And so I was on Facebook, like the majority of us are just engaging with friends and I didn't really have a direction or a purpose and the same kind of thing. Like I'm always very purpose-driven and it was just like, why am I spending time on here? And so I, I actually deleted everything and, and a lot of their listeners, or, or if you ever deleted Facebook, you know, it's not really deleted. Well, I am going to challenge you to your comprehension of what deleting Facebook means. Because what I did is I took the time and bless my wife for taking even more time is I manually went through and deleted every post I had made, removed every comment on anybody, anybody else's post I'd ever made 
manually unfriended every single person, manually deleted everything in my inbox, then deleted it. So if you reactivate it, it's still dead. There's nothing there. So I went through and I just deleted everything because I was at a point where it was like, what's, what's the point? It wasn't anything dramatic that had happened. It was just one of those, one of those crossroads where you're like, why am I putting energy towards this if I don't have any sort of intention with it? And so then I took a time out for about two months and, and then that's when November rolled around. So, you know, I deleted things around September and then come November, um, I said, well, why can't I, why can't I do this my way? Why can't I, why can't I share the things that I like to share? Why can't I talk about the type of business stuff that I like to talk about, whether it's my area of expertise of SEO or business in general and helping entrepreneurs. And then why can't I marry that with talking about my appreciation for my wife or kids, but how can I also protect that line of privacy that I want? I yeah. don't want to disclose my kids' names. I want to talk about them, but I don't want to share their faces. And part of that is just because of the world, the, the environment that I work in, like I know the vulnerability that comes with like, you know, the internet being forever. And once it's out there, it's out there. And so I didn't want forever to happen. And so I said, you know, but, but the caveat is how do you be personal then if you don't share those things? And so at that point I said, well, why don't I figure this out? Let's, let's do the dance and let's see how my voice evolves. Cause I want to talk about business. I want to talk about my kids. I want to talk about my wife. I just don't want to disclose a, B and C. So for a month or two, I just kind of tripped over myself and I, you know, make a post and, and say, yeah, I feel comfortable with that one or make a post and say, eh, I kind of don't want to talk about that and delete it. And then, um, two or three months later is when I started to kind of find that voice and the confidence and being able to share those things. And then if you fast forward a little bit, it was about the, the nine month mark where I had had a couple wins. I had a couple contracts where someone resonated with whatever I talked about and sent me a private message and said, Hey, I'd like to, you know, have a discussion. And at about the nine month mark, I had quantified it to be about $150,000 in extra contracts just from LinkedIn messages. And so at that point I said, well, clearly this is working and is worth my time. And I haven't, I haven't quantified it since then. And we're about two years into it, but it's substantially higher than that at this point. Yeah. And so for me, it's like, this is awesome because now I can get in there and I don't have to do any, I don't have to be fake. I don't have to exhaust myself worrying about like, will this post work? Because what happens is over time, you attract the people that your things do work for, and you don't have to try and come up with the fake message for the right people. You create the right message and you attract the right people. So there's just this huge peace of mind that comes with, um, you know, not I, th I think the equal, I think probably equally. So the benefit of authenticity is just not having to keep track of all the fake stuff. Well, Damon, here's the thing that's, that is so good. And this is what I know about you is that if, if you had to make a choice, which I, I think I know where, where you're going to be on this, but I think so many people are so married to their social media platforms. Like if they, if they don't post for like six hours, it, it's like withdrawals mm -hmm. and to tell them, Hey, look, why don't you take a day off from, from social? That would be, that would be like asking them to, to come off caffeine or, or some kind of addicting mm -hmm. substance. Yeah. And, and so why do you, in your opinion, you're the right guy to ask this. Why do you feel like people today are so married to their social media platforms? I, I, I they don't know any different. 
I, I don't think they think outside of the box. I think that it's kind of, it comes with territory now that that's, that's what, what they've been groomed into believing or seeing is normal. And I, I think that goes several layers, you know, when people come to me and they're like, well, um, well, actually it's just a post I made yesterday. Like I was wearing, uh, you know, I don't know who's watching this on video versus audio, but if you're on audio, I got these little wristbands on and they're these little support wrist pads. So I don't have to have the keyboard wrist pad for carpal tunnel. And so these just kind of move with me. There's these kind of like wearable wrist pads. And so I did a post yesterday that was me wearing my wrist pads and me wearing my back posture brace. And the post was like, Hey, can you tell me what's wrong with this picture? And I, I specifically angled it. So you saw the, the wrist pads and the back brace. Yeah. And I said, you know, a, is it these wrist pads that I wear for carpal tunnel support? B, is it my back brace that I wear for posture? Cause I sit all day. And then the, after that, it was, I'm willing to bet that not a single one of you that are reading this cared about either of those. And so the reason why I point that out is like, I think that there's like this FOMO, like fear of missing out on social media, um, or there's like, a f it's probably more that you feel like you're not relevant if you're not part of the conversation. And so it's just a necessity, like you feel like it's a necessity to be part of that conversation. But then, but then where the anxiety comes from is, okay, well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of the conversation, but how do I be the cool kid at the party? How do I get everybody's attention? Cause I don't, I don't want to be the first to the party. I don't want to be the awkward guy. I don't want to be the weirdo, Yeah, but I need to be there. Um, and, and so for me, if you take a step back, like I don't care. Um, now my desire to be on social media is more for the benefit of my audience. I like helping other people. Yeah. I like making an impact. I like networking and fostering relationships. Do I need it for, for my own stimulation? No. There, there, I'll put an asterisk next to that though. I do get addicted to the positive feedback though. Like once a week at the minimum, every other two, every other week is I get some sort of heartfelt message out of nowhere from somebody I've never met that read something at some point, whether it's a post the week before or like an article that I wrote like two years ago, there's always somebody finding something that I put out there that finally hit the right person. Yeah. And that's what I'm addicted to though. Yeah. I love that. Let's step aside, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to park in, in and extrapolate a little more conversation about what Damon just said about being first to the party. And I want to pull some more conversation out of that there. This is the people buy from people series of the intentional encourager podcast with my good buddy, Damon Burton back in just a moment here on the intentional encourager podcast. Hey everybody, Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for Search Engine Optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, Search Engine Optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept. SEO National is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes, from e-commerce startups to NBA teams and Shark Tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust, and providing lifetime value. So much so that he still has his first customers 
after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. DB, I want to ask you this, man. You you just said something really good there. You remember what it was like going and camping out for tickets to a concert? About oh, being dude, first I was party. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, back in the day, back in the day, people would pitch tents at the box office where a band was coming to town. Like they'd be coming to town in th like three months, but everybody knew when tickets went on sale, and people would camp out at the box office, literally put tents up, little Coleman stoves. I mean, they were in it to win it. They wanted to be at first in line to get those front row seats to concerts. Now it's like, you know, yeah, if, if you're willing to pony up more money on StubHub or, or any of the other ticket sites, you don't really have to stand in line anymore. You just be like, it just goes to the highest bidder. And, and I think that that analogy you, you just made was so good. And that's what triggered me to think about that because that was a, that was a thing back in the day. Do you find that that some people, where, when it comes to social media, would rather camp out in line to be first at something, or or are they just going forget it? I would just rather pony up and and pay the pay the money. I hope I'm asking that question right because that's what hit me when you were talking about that. I think we can take that a couple different ways, but I'd have you elaborate on one thing, like the, the metaphor of paying the money, what are they paying the money for in this metaphorical situation? Well, like for the visibility. Yeah, I, I think so. Because again, I, I see a lot of people out there and some of them are friends of mine. They talk about coaching people up to, to bring their presence up on social media, like LinkedIn and some other platforms are like, Hey, I, you know, take coaching so that you can get more visibility and things like that. And you pay for those things. And I, again, there's nothing wrong with that. I just wonder though, is it in your mind, is it akin to those concert days or what is, let me ask it this way. What is the value of showing up first to the party? When you compare it to social media, I don't necessarily think that the question is what is the value in showing up first to the party? I think it's more showing up consistently to, to multiple parties, you know, you might not, if I try to relate this to the, to the party kind of thing, I don't necessarily think the value is in being first of the party, but it's being, it's being the one that's seen at all the parties consistently. Like, Hey, there's Brian. He's the cool kid. Cause he's at all these freaking parties. Now, even then I think it's a little bit off the mark, but I get like where the, the topic is going. Um, for me, the consistency, I think there's two, two reasons you be consistent. One is algorithmic based. And then the other is, um, you know, personal impact for, from a, a strategy algorithm based, there is some benefit to posting consistently because the, the theory is that LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever takes you more serious. You know, Brian's improving his craft because he's showing up more. Brian's more dedicated because he's showing up more. Let's, uh, if Brian's willing to invest more time on our platform, let's invest more visibility in him. Because at the end of the day, these platforms are just, you know, businesses. And so anything, anybody that can contribute to their bottom line content, 
there's probably a benefit to that in the algorithm where if you're consistent, then you're going to get rewarded. So there, there's that side of things, which I don't necessarily think is the main part of the conversation, but it exists. And then the other part is you don't know who you are and you don't know who your audience is until you post consistently. You don't know what's going to resonate with your audience. You don't know what's going to resonate with yourself. Just like I said in those first month or two after I fired social media back up, I didn't know what the dance was but I wanted to figure it out. And so I'd get on there and say, okay, is this me? Because the, even myself, I went, I went through that process. Even in the beginning where I was like, I don't like the vanity metrics of social media. All the times when I told myself, don't get caught up in the numbers. It's just human nature. And I think you have to go through that process a little bit to go, Ooh, you know, this got a uh, hundred views when yesterday's got 10 or this one got 20 likes when yesterday's got three. Like you, you can't, you can't get around. I don't think there's no shortcutting that. Like you got to go through the ego phase and whatever, but what happens as you go through that, then you start to get those one-offs, the impact. Like I was saying, you get the one person that comes back at you from a post you made days, weeks, months, years ago, or an article you wrote days, weeks, months, years ago. Then that one person comes in and you making an impact on them makes an impact on you. And then over time, I don't, I think it's a slow evolution where over time you go, like, I don't think you can say, you know, maybe sometimes it happens, but I think for the most part, it's not like, well, yesterday I was posting for vanity purposes and now I'm posting for intent and impact. But over time, I think when you try to figure out what that dance is, I think that's a natural evolution where you just pay less attention to the impact you, uh, or the, the vanity metrics you pay more attention to. Are you bringing something valuable to the audience? And then at the end, it comes full circle and then you make an impact and you get the visibility out of it. You just, what you were saying a little bit ago, I love that because again, I, I think, and, and that's what drives me nuts about some social media platforms is that you don't see authenticity. You don't, you see people that have, um, like, um, headbanger 50, like, you know, on, on Twitter or something like that, or, um, is that a real person? I, I don't know. <laughs> there's, one, there's one dude on Twitter. It's cat turd. No joke. Cat turd. And, and it's like, you know, there's an avatar there. There's a, the fake handle and things like that. And to me, it's like, well, why would you even show up on those platforms if you weren't going to be who you claim to be or who you are and and i love what you said there about that when you when you divorced yourself initially from social media and you decided to come back did you have any trepidation around it or were you just like okay it's time for me to it's time for me to come back because i've had those internal conversations like do i really want to continue down this pathway like do i want to continue to do this and ultimately i'm like yeah i'll i'll, I'll go a little bit farther but man, you just made a hard stop and then came back. Was there any trepidation when you decided to come back or were you just kind of all in? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was a hard stop, but it was not a hard restart. No, it was definitely like, there was definitely hesitation. Um, I, I think because I didn't know, I didn't know what the finish line was. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go. All I knew is I didn't want to do it the way that everybody else was doing it. And I didn't, I didn't know what that meant but I've always been okay with like experimentation and figuring things out. And so I was okay giving it a trial run and without holding myself to expectations and, and just seeing if anything revealed itself. I think that's, that's one of the key characteristics I've had that have, that have given me the fortune of success in a variety of ways in business and personal and relationships is by giving myself the flexibility and the freedom to just 
try and not hold myself to any sort of outcome or expectations. And so I did the same thing with social media. I was like, let's, let's see. I don't know where this is going. I just don't want it to go that way. Yeah. So, so let's see. I don't necessarily want it to go the opposite way. I just know I don't want it to go that way. And so let's figure out what way reveals itself. And then just, that's why I say I did the dance for a while and just kind of filled things out and, and, and just wherever it went from there. So yeah, there's definitely some hesitation. And, and one thing I want to go back and make a comment on you talking about some other people, um, you know, the cat turd thing, I, I agree, but I also think that some people, um, what a lot of people don't realize is some of these profiles are a business model. Um, one example is there's one on Instagram. I want to say it's called animals doing stuff, animals doing things, something like that. And it's, it's freaking huge. And it's by, a, it's owned by a company that does viral marketing and all they do is come up with viral memes and images and things like that. And the way they monetize it is one out of every five, one out of every 10 is a sponsored content because they just got millions and millions and millions of followers that if they can make this ad fit the funny format of all the other cat turd stuff, yeah. then they can slide those in and monetize them. So I think that goes to say at the same time, when you're on the opposite end of the, of the, the spectrum, don't take everything so seriously, you know, that, that maybe is not a person. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. It's just not what you think it is. Well, and, and, and I, you know, Damon, here's a, here's kind of the, the counter argument I'll make to that is, I think for some people, it's kind of like an alter ego, right? It's kind of like, you know, Bruce Wayne becoming Batman or Clark Kent becoming Superman. You know, it's kind of like, you know, by day, Bruce Wayne is is the the millionaire or the billionaire tycoon. And he's, you know, he's in a tuxedo and he's at the, the parties or he's making charitable contribution, things like that. And by night, he's cracking skulls you know, out there beating the Joker and, and Penguin and things like now my inner child is showing because I loved Batman when I was a kid. <laughs> Did Batman I, evolve from in the 70s and 80s? Was he a millionaire? And then in the I, 90s yeah, and yeah, 2000s, yeah. Well, no, he was in a the billionaire? 60s, well, no, in the 60s TV show, he was millionaire Bruce Wayne, like the Adam West yeah. TV show. But but I, I, think, I think to some degree, Damon, I think people like the alter ego aspect of social media because maybe in their real life, it's like, you know, my name is Fred Smith accountant or something like that. And it's real structured and real quiet and things like that. And then at night headbanger 50 comes out and he's a keyboard <laughs> warrior. Like he's got his Def Leppard t-shirt on. And he's like a keyboard warrior, you know? Well, I, think, I challenge you to tell me that Def Leppard is not the greatest metal band of all time. Well, you know, well, you know what? It's the same answer, though. It's the same answer. That What that answer is, is they figured out their dance. Like, for me, my dance was impacting people. For them, their dance is, is the comfort of having an alter ego. So you don't have to go to social media to be an influencer. But I think the value is finding out what your intention is and then just own it. Man, I love that. I'm jotting that down. You don't have to go to social media to be an influencer. Go there for just a minute before we take a break. Um, because people think, and I've had this conversation with my son, he'll say, 
Well, you know, there are people making money on YouTube. There's there's people making money on TikTok and Instagram and things like that. And I think every 18 to, you know, maybe maybe let's go a little bit deeper, 16 to 21, I'll say. I think they would like to go, man, you know what would be super cool instead of going to college and and racking my brains for four years and getting a degree? It'd be really cool to be a YouTuber and have people pay me millions of dollars to be a YouTuber. And I'm like, yeah, dude, do you know how small it's like? making the nba like you know how many people play basketball in high school and then they make it to college and then they're really good in college and then they try to make the nba and it's like yeah we we've only we're only drafting 60 a year out of these hundreds of thousands of people that are playing basketball like the elite of the elite make the nba and i kind of look at it like that with influencers like the elite of the elite are the ones that are making making as the kids say making bank and so I love that you don't have to go to social media to be an influencer. So expound on that a little bit. You know, my, my, I, I have kids, um, three kids under 10. And so my, my six and 10 year old more particularly are big YouTube fans. Um, I'm going to take a little bit of a different position on it though. It's the same answer, but different, different reasoning. You know, the same answer is in my mind, I, I won't verbalize it to my kids, but in my mind is like, yeah, the chances are slim. But I'm not going to, and I'm not saying that, that you do this directly, but I'm not going to put any doubt in their mind into what they can accomplish based on numbers. Now, that aside, um, I think the bigger hesitation for me to, to not, um, like, I'm going to tell them, like, you know, do your thing, whatever. Like, we're going to, I have the privacy discussions with my kids about YouTube. And so most of, most of the hesitation in, in saying, no, you're not getting on YouTube right now is, is more on the privacy side of things, because like I said, the internet is forever, but let's ignore that for a while. Um, my bigger hesitation in like how in somebody's interest, you know, my kids, listeners, anybody, otherwise my, my bigger hesitation, having somebody pursue that path is, is not the logistics of the numbers, but it is all the stuff that you don't see at face value. I'm not super privy, but I'm probably more privy than the general audience as to what goes into YouTube. And it's a crap ton of stuff. Do you know how long that 15 minute video took? Five days. Yeah. You know, that is so much weight and obligation that you're committing to because it's, it's addictive. Like those, that is your entire monetization model is vanity metrics. It is the one thing that we've talked about that you don't focus on, but that is the business model for YouTube. It's views, it's vanity metrics. So now you have to go, okay, are you willing to commit to be the dancing TikTok Brian to sustain that? And how long are you going to do that? No, no. People, people might pay to see me like trip and fall be like, you know, I might become like, seizure guy on tiktok or something like that like, <laughs> like look at this old man doing dancing it looks like he's having a seizure and it's me you know just well you you know what i actually just thought of an example i read in the last day or two was you know the 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 ocean spray canberra cranberry skateboarding yeah. dog face guy yeah so like he he and this is this is wild assumptions you know i could be completely inaccurate but he found fame through that video which is cool because it's just him he's in his zone like for all the right reasons it went viral right but now it's created an issue of sustainability because just the other day i was reading an article about how he was offended that stevie nicks crushed his dreams 
And, and what it was is because he wanted to convert and sell his video as a, are you familiar with the NFTs are these big viral non-fungible token terminology going around? Are you familiar a little with that? Bit, a little bit. Yeah. So, so the short answer is like, basically it's a digital asset that you convert to like, um, an, an identifiable virtual key. Okay. Yeah. So you hold the, you are the official owner of this key and this key relies on, you know, blockchain and stuff like that. So it's identifiable where you can see where if the key has been transferred and sold to somebody else. So you, so now this guy wanted to, to monetize the proprietary, we'll call it key of his video and either monetize it or sell it or something. And Stevie Nicks said, no, rightfully so it's her song. She doesn't have to justify. I'm not saying she's right. I'm not saying she's wrong. It doesn't matter if she's right or wrong. It's her decision. But now this guy has, um, uh, 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 like I said, I could be totally wrong and I'm making assumptions here, but at face value, it sounds like now we're running into sustainability issues. Now we're running into issues where how do I maintain this image or this lifestyle or the whatever part of this, like, do you want to commit to that weight forever? And then let's say in 10 years, you're no longer the dancing TikTok guy. Well, sorry to tell you, Brian, you're that guy forever because the internet is forever. Well, Damon, let me let me park here and then we'll take a quick break. Is is that, you know, Stevie Stevie Nicks and her people have the the right to license use of that song. They don't have to license it in perpetuity. And they can go, you know what? Yeah, license is done because we own the song. We gave you a license to use it one time, and now we're pulling our license back. You know, we 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 don't want you to to do this anymore. And really, I love what you said there. The, the dude was like, well, you know, I'm upset that she wouldn't let me do Yeah, it's her property. The initial, the song is her intellectual property, just as SEO National is your intellectual property. You know, you own what you create. For, for better or worse, you own it. And so, you know, I don't understand why people get offended by that. And so I love that example. Let's, let's shelve this for just a quick moment and come back, take a quick break. And I want to talk about authenticity in business. Damon's the right guy to talk about it with. And we'll come back with more conversation here on this special edition of the Intentional Encourager podcast, the People Buy From People series. Back in a moment. Hey, everybody, Brian Sexton. want to tell you about my new book, People Buy From People, 10 Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person, my dad. My dad was one of the greatest connectors that I ever knew, and he shared with me 10 connecting principles that I have used throughout my 25-year sales and sales management, customer engagement, and leadership career that I'm passing along to you. If you want to be a stronger deeper and more powerful connector. You've got to pick up a copy of People Buy From People. There are concepts in there that you may not realize help make you a power connector. You can go to Amazon and pick it up. Kindle, if you're an e-reader and you like to do it that way, or now available on Audible. And there's one other way you can get a copy of People Buy From People. You can get one from me and I'll sign it for you. You go to intentionalmediaandpublishing at gmail.com and send me an email 
and I'll share with you the link on how you can get a signed copy. You can buy a signed copy directly from me. Again, people buy from people. If you want to connect like never before, pick up your copy today of people buy from people. And now let's get back to more great conversation here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. Damon, that is so cool that that you were talking about sustainability. Because again, I think when you build these these platforms, you got to build them to last, right? I mean, you got to you got to build them to to be there four, five, six, seven, eight years from now. And who knows what kind of iterations we'll see in social media. But I want to step here for just a second. You are one of the most authentic business people I know too, as well as being a good friend. A lot of your posts talk about the authentic authenticity in business. What causes people to be inauthentic in business, in your opinion? I th- th- there's a fear of if you don't maintain a certain image that you'll lose sales. The first comment I got on that post that we mentioned earlier, where I was wearing my wrist braces and my, my back posture brace, literally the first comment was, thanks, you know, thanks for bringing this topic up. Um, can I ask you, um, I'm afraid if I disclose certain things that I'll lose business. And so I think the question was more, you know, I'm afraid if I don't maintain this perfect image that I'm not going to get the sell. And that there's what I replied back to him was, you know, if I wear these braces throughout the day and this is me, what has changed just because I turned on a camera? And so for me, that doesn't matter. But then what I also went on to elaborate was I'm not going to be sharing pictures of what I ate for breakfast and telling everybody the last time I went to the bathroom. So like, (laughs) so I think there's a big difference in going out of your way to unnecessarily disclose things versus hiding things that you don't have to be scared of. And, And I think people confuse the two that transparency means like going out of your way, you know, our friend, Bunny, here's, here's a good example. So, but so for the listeners, Bunny is a business consultant that I've become friends with. And, um, she's great by the way, Bunny's a friend of mine as well through you. And, and she just really hits on some good stuff on social media as well too. Yeah. She takes, she kind of takes the same approach of just transparency, but one time her and I were Marco Poloing. So if you're not familiar with what Marco Polo is, it's like a video app where you can just kind of send videos back and forth to your contacts and then they just, they get to it when they get to it. And, um, so we were going back and forth about like authenticity and, and I said something like I, I sent her like a 5am Marco Polo. And so there's a two hour difference. So it was like 7am her time. And and so I'm like fresh out of bed. I got the baggy eyes. I'm like still trying to wake up and I'm replying to whatever her video was. And I said, bunny, you know, why I know your friends, why, why you and I are friends because there's nobody else that I'd get on camera with to, to, to look like this fresh out of bed, you know, whatever. Like I, I, I look like a train wreck, but I don't care because I'm not out to impress bunny. But then bunny comes back and says, you know, we should do a podcast like that, like fresh out of bed. And I'm like, no, we shouldn't. <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm yeah. not going to hide anything, but I'm not going to go out of my way. Like that defeats the purpose. Like if you have to forcefully be transparent, then I don't think you're really being transparent. Yeah. yeah. My hair is like really super spiky. I, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, Don King came in the middle of the night and just, you know, <laughs> yeah. mess with my hair or something like that's scary. Don King breaking in your house or something like that, <laughs> you know, but well, you know, but, but I know what you're saying because everybody there, there are some people that are like, well, I, if I'm not super transparent, like, am I as believable or things like that? And it's like, listen, there are some things that are nobody else's business. Like it's nobody's business. What I'm doing tonight, it's nobody's business. What, you know, not, I'm not doing anything illegal. What I'm saying is you're making yourself sound guilty. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm just trying to be authentic, Damon. Well, just, yeah. Why don't you talk more about what you're not doing tonight? <laughs> well, actually, for tr for total transparency, as we record this, I'm actually going with my son's um, alma mater, their basketball team. I keep the scorebook at home and do PA, and um, they're playing the number one team in class double A tonight in West Virginia. So, and it's in Charleston. So I texted the coach. I'm like, Hey, uh, need a bookkeeper for night. He's like, yeah, come hang with us. So that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm doing tonight. So the le legit, but, but no, it, it's, it's nobody's business. How much money you make. It's nobody's business. You know, what kind of car that you went and bought? Like, Hey, we just bought a BMW, like big deal. Move on. Like, like some things are just not for public consumption. Right. And mm -hmm. I think business, I think businesses are trying too hard to get people in the door and, and, and focusing on, okay, how crazy can we make, you know, how inauthentic can we be with commercials that show our authenticity? Yeah. And, and so that's why I wanted to ask you, let me go here for just a quick second. When you're working with a client, and you and you talk to them about authenticity and transparency. What's some of the things you get pushback on from a client when they say, "Well, I want to talk about everything we do in our business, but that." And is that a red flag to you when when they when there's something that so they when they want to when when they hesitate on disclosing something on their end or yeah, like like you know you like you bring in a, here's where I want to go with this and forgive me for not asking the question correctly. It, it, you you present to them a marketing idea. You present to them a plan of how they can they can use SEO to their advantage. And mm -hmm. you and your company do an unbelievable job of helping clients with that. And the customer pushes back and goes, "Yeah, that's I don't know about that." And and you can kind of sense the hesitancy, like. See, I got, no, I got the perfect answer. Uh, like I have a literal client in mind. I won't say who they are, but so this, this client doesn't seem to grasp the concept of, of they, they, in their mind, they've, they verbalize that they understand the concept of transparency because part of what we do is we go, okay, let's, let's figure out, okay, Mr. Client, um, we've identified through research that talking about these topics would be valuable to your audience. So then they're like, okay, yay, let's get the traffic and the money go team. And then we actually produce the content and they're like, whoa, whoa, we can't give away the answers. What if they just take that and run? Won't we be losing? Won't, won't we be stealing business from ourselves? No, the total opposite. 
because there's there's three types of there's three types of consumers, content consumers. So you have the the content consumer that is going to take your advice and run. Fan freaking tastic. Let them run because they were never your client to begin with and you just help somebody. That person will probably come back or you're going to grow your reputation in a positive light. The second type of content consumer is going to be somebody that appreciates what you had to say, but maybe is not the right time, but they'll either come back later or they'll refer somebody. Sweet. We're two for two on the wins. The third type of content consumer is going to be the people that say, Brian, take my money. So like you can't lose by disclosing this content or just sharing all your advice. So, so the issue that I run into is, um, you know, fortunately not too, too often these days, most, most time we get somebody that gets on the phone with us, they're familiar with, with what they're walking into, but every once in a while we get somebody that we run into that, where we have to kind of educate, like, no, the, you are, what you are trying to prevent in losing a cell, you are causing the loss yeah. of the cell by being fake or by being sales pukey. Like none of us want to go to a blog and read about like, here's how you do this thing. Sales puke, sales puke, sales puke, buy our, buy our thing, call us now. We're the best. Like you check out immediately. Yeah. But where people stick is when they're like, Hey, we want to share what we did and here's how it happened. And like, here's the positive, here's the negative, and then let them take what they need. You got to realize that you are not the focus of your content. The readers are the heroes. And so you need to give them what they, the answers they need to be their hero in their mind and in their circumstances, because you don't know what that is. Well, and here's the thing too, Damon, is that I like those posts that say, you want to know what we did that sucks or what mm -hmm. we do that sucks. And here's how we're trying to fix it. And here's some of the lessons that learn because see, now you're building connecting bridges that go that somebody reads it and goes, Oh man, if they're killing it and here's the ways that they're, they're kind of internalizing that they suck in these areas that they've identified that they're, they're not real good at. To me, that builds that connecting bridge and goes, well, if they're killing it, well, oh, okay, number two reason, yeah, I, our company does that too. And we kind of suck at that too. And, 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 and it's almost like it builds that connecting bridge and it's like, yeah, you know, if they can fix these things, then we can fix these things. And then to your point, it, it brings them into the story at a much more authentic rate than, than just saying, here's how we're great and here's what we do that's great. Look at us, yay team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, like there's there's like a cliche saying, but it's totally true about how you know everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. Um, you know, I can give two actually very clear examples. One just happened yesterday. So I was talking with a lead, and they said, "Okay, beyond SEO, do you also do email? Because we'd like to have a provider that manages our email campaigns." How many other listeners or people do you know would say, yeah, we do email because you want the contract. And in your mind, you're like, the, the wheels start turning like, how are we going to do email? How can we fulfill that? That would stress me out. I told them, no. One, it's true. We don't do it. And, and two, I don't want the stress of figuring it out and then being like mediocre at something. And so my answer was very short. So he, he gives me the explanation, you know, do you guys also do email? And I said, no, we don't. It was that short. And you know what he said back? 
I love that you said no. Because now he knows that he can trust me to not pitch him unnecessarily. And then kind of a similar circumstance, a couple of years ago, we built a pool. And when I was shopping around pool manufacturers and installation companies, um, one of the final candidates, I said, when you guys come with your big machines um, rolling, down, rolling down the driveway, if it busts up the cement, are you going to replace it? She said the same thing. She said, no. And I literally told her, I'm like, you're the one <laughs> because now I know, now I know I get, I got a straight shooter. Like they're not going to tell me what they think I want to hear. They're just going to tell me what the right answer is. Well, here's the thing. A lot of people would have tried to go with, with the email. They would have been, okay, so let's go find a low cost provider so we can make this contract profitable because we don't do email and we're going to find somebody that can do it for a super low cost. It's just a bare minimum. So we can fulfill the contract requirements because all the rest of the stuff we, we rock out on and, and, and not realizing that that one little piece could be the Achilles heel to the whole deal. Like if mm -hmm. the email campaign sucks, then they're going to go, wait a minute. I thought you guys did email campaign. Oh, we'll, we'll get right on that. You know, it's, it's yeah. backpedaling and, and I don't ever want to be in a position of retreat because it's really hard to play offense when you're backpedaling. I mean, you've got, you've got little kids in, in basketball. I, my son played basketball. I mean, I have never seen a high percentage of shots going in when the guy's falling away from the basket. Yeah. Like if they're, if you're attacking the basket, your percentages are, are much higher of that shot going in. And, and, and I think it speaks to Damon. It, to me, it speaks to the authenticity that a lot of consumers are really, really looking for today. Right. Because, you know, it goes back to, it's like, okay, don't screw me on this deal. When in actuality, it's like, well, but I didn't do my homework. If I had done my homework up front, I would know that that company is authentic and transparent and, and all those things. As we wrap this up, man, you've given us so much good stuff today. I want, I want you to, to talk about, give, give some folks, maybe if there's a business owner or somebody's like, man, I really want to take my social media game to the next level because I think there's opportunities to impact people. What's your biggest piece of advice about authenticity or your biggest piece of intentional encouragement around authenticity? Well, I, th I think from a consumer standpoint, as you're shopping those things around, just, just ask, you know, just uh, you, you, an example in my situation is if somebody says they want to shop around SEO, I encourage them to. I'm not going to fight for a sell because if I fail to clearly communicate why we're the better solution, then you know, that's my bad and I'm not going to go beg for a sale. But at the same time, I think there's value in having somebody go see how transparently the competition communicates. More often than not, by far the majority of those leads that I say, go window shop. Yeah, go do it. They come back because what they run into is they run into they run into the sales pitches. They run into the th the conversations where something's just not quite right. And so for the consumers, I would say just ask questions. Like an example would be in the SEO space. If somebody comes to me or, or if I encourage them to go window shop, I tell them to ask about how they're going to fulfill the campaign. You don't have to care so much about the intricacies of what their answer is so much as that they gave you an answer. Did they give you a clear answer or did they give you a vague response? Did they give you specifics? You don't need to care what the specifics are, but did they give you specifics or did they say it's proprietary and they can't tell you? So just look for those clear points of communication. And then on the other side of things, 
as a business owner or a service provider, why do you want to maintain, why do you want to carry around that weight of having to have a, a fake representation of who you are or what you do? It's so much easier to just be transparent about the things and it's going to increase your sales. You are making things harder for the opposite reason of why you are trying to do those things. Man, dude, that, that is so strong. And again, at some point, the jig is up. Like, like it, it reminds me, and I'm not trying to drag out the conversation, but, but it reminds me of people that break out of prison and then they like <laughs> take on these false disguises and, and they're, they're running from, from being captured knowing that one false move could be, okay, I'm going back to the, to the pokey poke. And, and it's like, why did you break out of jail in the first? That's place? so much stress. Just yeah. thinking about that. That is so much stress. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you got to alter your identity and, and all this stuff like that. I mean, it's like Shawshank redemption all over again. Like you're digging a tunnel with a spoon, you know, just to, to get free. It's like, just serve your time and then you'll be done. You know, it's, it's just, it's just not worth it. Yeah. I mean, on, with that as a, on a more on a positive metaphor, same thing, but just, <laughs> you know, serve your time in the respect of do things right, build up your yeah. product or service the right way, do your dance and figure out what, who you are and what you offer the right way, serve that time. So then that you have the freedom of choice after to say yes or no to a client or to properly communicate to a client, to realistically set expectations to a client. Um, there are probably there, I am totally confident that there are faster ways to make that initial buck than this way, but they are not as sustainable. No, I love it, man. I love it. That's so good. Hey, tell the folks how they can get connected with you if they're not connected with you on your uh, various and sundry social media platforms. Uh, LinkedIn is my platform of choice. Just search my name, D-A-M-O-N, Burton, B-U-R-T-O-N. And then um, SEO National is the company and uh, freeseobook.com. If you are wanting to learn SEO, guess what? Same thing. There's no sales pitch on the landing page. You get it for free. Took me two years to write the book and you can have it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and full disclosure, a sponsor of the Intentional Encourager podcast, which I've loved the, the back and forth and, and, uh, it's so cool every every week when I'm putting the, the videos and the audio together to to have your support and, and SEO national support. It's 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 awesome. And uh yeah, man, I appreciate you're, that. you're oh, I appreciate you. You're a tremendous friend and I I appreciate you endorsing the book and uh just always being a good resource uh publicly and privately, man. Thanks for joining me today on this special edition of the Intentional Encourager Podcast. My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Means. And of course, the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his word. If you're not subscribed to the Intentional Encourager podcast, hit the subscribe button wherever you get podcasts so you don't miss an exciting episode where you can get encouraged and stay encouraged. And remember, anyone, anywhere, at any time, any place can be an intentional encourager.